birthday. And what a wonderful thing that is, the, the birth of Jesus. And before I get started, I did want to uh, just bring to your attention uh, for prayer request, uh, Carrie Moore uh, passed away this morning. That is uh, Nett's cousin. It's Linda Foshi, Gerard's daughter. Uh, passed away this morning. So if y'all can just be praying for them and the, the family, it's always hard to lose anyone, but especially here at Christmas time, it uh, really makes it different. And the birth of Jesus is what makes everything different. The world that we live in today, I don't believe is that much different than it was um, 2,000 years ago. There was a need in the world, and there's a need in today's world. There was a need for all that we've talked about this whole month of hope. This world is still full of people longing for hope. And it doesn't matter what we shove into a box. It doesn't matter what we unwrap. It doesn't matter what we do. There's no hope. There never would have been hope if there was not the birth of Jesus A special birth, a birth of a virgin that made him different from everyone else. He came as God. He left heaven as the Son of God. He came to earth as the Son of God. But he had glory that we could not stand to see. And he clothed over it with flesh. He never gave up any of his deity. He was always all God and all man. And he came as a light to the world. And they were in desperate need of hope then as much as we are today. There was a desperate need for joy. I mean, people were longing. They had heard those who were living in that day, as we've talked about, was in that period of silence. They've heard about God speaking through prophets. And they're wondering, has God forgotten about us? And the birth of Jesus brought that joy as God entered in and he proclaimed it through the heavens and the angels to those shepherds. And his love. There is more love in that little manger than this whole world could ever imagine. Jesus willingly came because of his love for us knowing that he had one destiny in life and that was death we're all doomed to die but his death would be different he would die with all the sins of the world on him as an innocent person to restore that relationship so that there could be peace between us and God Regardless of what we have in our life, regardless of how we feel, there is no peace between us and God without Christ in the middle. Because when God looks at us, he sees the bloodshed of his son, the forgiveness of our sins, and he sees us as righteous, as holy, and as perfect. He sees us as if we've never sinned. Can you imagine that? That's all because of the gift you have your Bibles today, if you will open with me to the book of Luke chapter 2, 
I want to read part of the Christmas story to you this morning as as we begin. Very familiar verses, but I, I want you to listen to these kind of like we did last night. We're not going to read all that we read last night. I hope that you had an opportunity to be with us here. But Luke chapter 2, and if you would stand with me please and as we begin in verse 1. It says, now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria and everyone was on his way to register for the census, each one to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register with his wife Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and he and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger." Because there was no room for them in the end. Father God, I thank you so much. Lord, for your wonderful gift of your son. Father, while he was king, he came in humble means. Father, and we have record. We have proof of this. Father, the lives that have been given for what they knew. Father, thank you for this gift. Lord, today, Father, would you open our ears that we can hear Holy Spirit? Father, would you soften our hearts that Holy Spirit may speak to our hearts today? Father, even through some familiar verses, I ask that you would stir within us your spirit. And Father God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated. I like this because, you know, God has a way of working behind the scenes to accomplish his good work. Oftentimes we're waiting for the grander things to see, but oftentimes it's not that. He's working even before we know it. Prophecy had been said that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Well, Joseph, neither Mary were in Bethlehem. And it was time for this baby to be born. What was going to happen? The Roman government put out a decree that you've got to go back to your homeland so that you can be counted and registered and then pay a tax. Well, this is just the government at work, isn't it? Well, maybe so, but maybe not. Because what happened? Joseph and Mary went to Bethlehem so that the prophecy could be filled that he would be born there. She was engaged, yet still a a virgin, getting ready, but yet she's with child. So many things we might could say was coincidence. I don't believe there's any coincidence in this world. God is working in our lives. How many times do things happen in our life that we never know were already being set up because God is orchestrating those? God knew from the very beginning 
Genesis 1.1 that in the beginning God created the what? The heavens and the earth. God knew at that moment exactly how he was going to orchestrate everything so that we could have a relationship. God's going to create mankind to have fellowship and communion, design us that way, to want relationship, knowing that we were going to turn around and spit right in his face. But yet he still loved us enough that he says, I'm going to fix that. Because I know that in the flesh they can't. And it doesn't matter what we try, we never can. So he sent his son, raised up. But can you imagine, we've talked about this before, but let me just give you a little bit of free information. A manger, we like to have a cute little wooden manger. A manger was a feeding trough for animals. It was probably carved out of stone. It was in a stable. It probably was kind of dirty. What's in a stable? Horses and cows and donkeys and they're going to eat in there and they're going to make their mess. Any of those, if you've got animals around feeding trough, you see what they do. But the king, the creator of the world, came in humble means to a poor family. Come into a town where everybody was coming to, yet no one could make room. But one guy said, I've got a barn, you're welcome to go out there. It's probably actually kind of like a little cave in the side of a mountain. He said, it's not much, I can imagine. He said, but you're welcome to it. And then out there, away from everything else, in the quietness of the night, a little baby cried. The Savior was born. No fanfare. No trumpets, no limousines, no parades, no nothing. He was just born in humble, quiet means and wrapped up in some torn up cloth. Actually, those swaddling clothes symbolizes and represents his grave clothes from the very beginning and laid in a manger. But then those heavenly angels proclaimed to the shepherds the great news and they at once left and went and found their way to him. We always talk about Jesus being the greatest gift, which it is. But what I want us to look at today, there are three gifts that Jesus was when he was born. So do we have our first package? We'll see there. Each time we get ready for a gift, we got it nice wrapped. How many of y'all had wrapped packages this morning with some maybe some bows on them? The first thing you're ready to do is just rip into them and find out what they are because there's always some excitement within it. Well, let me tell you, three things we're going to look at today bring excitement. The birth of Christ gave us a Savior. The birth of Christ gave us a Savior. It tells us right there at Luke, um, verse 11, chapter 2, it says, For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. What is a Savior? Why do we need a Savior? You know, oftentimes we hear great things. I like to explain sometimes. Why in the world do we as humans need a Savior? Aren't we all fine? Most of us all in here live in a nice home. We got nice Heat, Net and her crew's been working hard to keep us with water. We've got food. Most all of us come in nice vehicles. I mean, we've got everything in the world we need, right? 
And after Christmas, most of us probably have a pile of debt to go right with it. But we need a Savior. What is that Savior? There's several things. It's one who rescues. You know, we're in need of a rescuing. Let me read to you from Acts chapter 13. Again, as we get a a description of who Jesus is, Acts 13, verse 23, From the descendants of this man, according to the promise, God has brought to Israel a Savior, one who rescues. We're in need of rescue because we've sinned and Satan has gotten a hold of our life. Satan came at the very beginning of the Bible. He came to Adam and Eve and he tempted them. And the moment that they both took a bite of that fruit, he became their Lord. He became their king. He became the one that they followed. Sin enwrapped them. And because that's passed down, we're all born and we are trapped in the bondage of Satan. So I would say that we need rescuing, wouldn't you? We need one because this bondage, let me tell you what. Satan is a pretty powerful person. But he's got no power over Jesus. Over our flesh, he has power. But because the birth of Christ provided a Savior that we can receive, Christ comes in and he rescues us from him. Also, Philippians 3.20. We see that for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus. We need rescuing because someone has taken us from our eternal home the moment we sinned. And we needed rescue. We needed a Savior. And there's only one that can do that, and that's Jesus Christ. Not only is a Savior one who rescues, but it's also one who delivers. We need to be delivered. We're in bondage. They were in bondage. God knew about this bondage. And he sent a Savior that could come in and he could take us and he could deliver us out of the hand of Satan. Charles Spurgeon said it this way. We might have this on the screen, I think. It will not save me to know that Christ is a Savior. But it will save me to trust him to be my Savior. Just knowing that Christ is the Savior does us nothing. It's what we do in faith with that. And to receive that in faith that he comes and becomes our Savior. He comes as one who rescues us and one who delivers us. There's a second package that we get. A a second present that comes with the birth of Christ. Not just that the birth of Christ gave us a Savior, but the birth of Christ gave us a Redeemer. We needed redeeming. What do I I mean by this redeeming? It's one who comes in and one who steps in the gap. I want us to walk through this because I believe this is important to us today. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. A redeemer is one to come and to redeem. 
It's this redeemer that comes in. What do I mean by redeem? It's to, to buy us back. To recover a house. Maybe we could use this analogy. Some might understand this. You don't pay your taxes on your property and your house. It can go up for sheriff's sale. It can then become someone else's. But yet there's a period of time that someone can come back, pay those taxes, and redeem that property. You see, the Israelites and the Jewish people would understand this well because there would be people who couldn't pay their tax and they would lose their house and it would take a kinsman redeemer. It would take a close relative. Actually, it was the responsibility of a close relative to step in and to redeem that house or that land back from them. The land was supposed to stay in the family. But they could lose it and someone would step back and they would recover it. Or maybe if the person got over into debt. You know, a person who went into debt not only become in debt like we think of today, but they could very easily become a slave. They would have to sell their self into slavery to pay their debt and to work their debt off. You know, that's the same thing debt does for us today. Puts us in slavery. We begin to have to do things we wouldn't normally do to try to pay that off. But you see, someone has come and taken us. And that is Satan. Because of our sin, we become enslaved to that sin. And we needed a redeemer who could step in and pay that price that we could never pay. The one to buy us back. R.C. Sproul said, Jesus is our redeemer. He is the one who paid a ransom for our souls. Our souls had been purchased by Satan the moment we sinned. But we have, through the birth of Jesus, a redeemer, one who steps back and redeems. A redeemer also in that day was the duty of the male relative of a deceased who leaves a childless widow behind. Now we don't understand this one all today. But if there was a man married to a woman... And they had not had any children and he died. It was the responsibility of his brother to be a kinsman redeemer. To take her in and to marry her and to produce a child. See that's the reason God gave us marriage is to reproduce the earth. But to keep the lineage and the family going on there was a redeemer who would step in and do that. But Numbers tells us about the redeemer being an avenger of blood. One that uh, by killing the manslayer of his relative redeems the guilt of a manslayer. It was the responsibility of the kinsman redeemer in the family that if someone killed the relative, this redeemer's responsibility was killing them to avenge for the death. It's the reason that they set up those what they called safe cities, places they could run to if it was an accident. Now it had to be Proven in court, they didn't just run out and kill. That wasn't mayhem. But it was this Redeemer's responsibility to step up and to avenge for the death. Well, do you know what my Redeemer did that was born? Jesus. I was dead to sin. I was dead to my relationship with God. And he stepped in. And he died in my place. He was my redeemer. He avenged for my death. It's also one to reclaim as one's own. Exodus 6.6 gives us a great picture of this. 
It says, Say therefore to the sons of God, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from their bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgment to reclaim as one's own. See, that's what Jesus did as my Redeemer. I had to be reclaimed because I sold myself into sin. As I followed Satan and in my flesh, I couldn't do anything about it. But he came. Jesus was born. He died on that cross to be our redeemer. The gift of redemption to come and to claim us back as his own. And we are his. Just think about that as a moment. As a believer... Because of the redeeming grace of Jesus, we become a child of the living king. A child of the God. See, Egyptians knew about this because they had been in bondage and Jesus came and redeemed them. But I love this last one as a redeemer to be brought back. A redeemer was to bring back. You see, I lost, you lost your fellowship. With Jesus and God through sin. But this Redeemer that came and brought us back. And because of his love and his death on the cross. We can be restored with him. Charles Spurgeon says. Sin is no little thing. It is girded. It girded the Redeemer's head with thorns. And pierced his heart. Look upon all sin as that which crucified the Savior. And you will see it to be exceedingly sinful see we needed someone to come back in our sins what put that crown of thorns on him our sins what pierced him our sins is what whipped him our sins is what nailed him to the cross but it's all out of love because he wanted to redeem us do you know anybody who needs redeeming it's only through the son through the birth of christ So our third gift, we have the birth of Christ as our Savior, the birth of Christ as our Redeemer, and the birth of Christ gave us an everlasting King. I guess they just get better. I'd say this is the best one, but they're all the best one. But our King that will come that night as a gift is an everlasting King. Jesus always has been and Jesus always will be. He is the forever king. Aristotle said, God extends from eternity to eternity. I would mention to you this morning to wrap your heads around that, but you can't. I can't. I cannot fathom something being in existence forever. We live in a world of time. There's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to cry, a time to laugh. There's all these things. Everything's in a time. And we can look at time for 2,000 years back and then time goes beyond that. But Christ was before that. He always was. And regardless of what happens to you and I and to this world, Christ always will be. A redeemer, a savior. He is the everlasting king. Jeremiah 10.10 But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting king. And and his wrath, the earthquakes, and the nations cannot endure his indignation. 
He is an everlasting king. But not only is he just an everlasting king, but he's an everlasting king of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? Can I get an amen on that one? There is no king that's greater than him. There are kings. And there are people that are called lords, but he is the king of all kings and the lord of all lords. It tells us about this in 1 Timothy 6, Revelation 17, Revelations 19. All of these talk about the greatness of the king of kings. Revelations 1.5. Listen to this one. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. He is the ruler of the kings of the earth. There might be a king that thinks that they're sovereign. We used to have Queen Elizabeth. Many thought she was sovereign. What is sovereign but the ultimate authority, the one that basically we would say today, the buck stops here. But there is no human living today or has ever lived beside Jesus Christ that was ultimately sovereign. Because Jesus is the king of kings. Everything else has to go through God. Everything else has to go through him. That birth, we get the king of kings. Acts 10.36 also gives us a good one. It says, The world which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, and he is an everlasting. There's no end. Revelations 11.15 Then the seventh angel sounded... And there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. You don't have to worry about Christ leaving you. You don't have to worry about investing in something that will disappear. We invest in all kinds of things. We invest in relationships and sometimes they end. We re, uh, invest into families. We invest in the stock market. And all of this stuff can crash and fail. But putting our faith in the gift of the birth of Christ will never fail because he is king of kings and lord of lords. Let me close this morning with a Word from Charles Wesley. A peace on earth he brings, which nevermore shall end. The Lord of hosts, the King of kings, declares himself our friend, assumes our flesh and blood, that we his spirit may gain the everlasting Son of God, the mortal Son of Man. Is Christmas important? We talked about that a couple of years ago. Yes, Christmas is important. What is it about the birth of Christ? See, it was a gift. That's the reason we give gifts. It was a gift, and that gift was a Savior. Something the world needed more than anything else. The gift was a Redeemer. And an everlasting king. But while we've used the imagery of a present up there. We've got little baby Jesus down right here. 
This gift is a gift no different than any other gift. Because all of you woke up this morning most likely and you either had a gift under the tree or you knew someone who did. And you know we've got those little lit up gifts under there. They're gifts. Some of them are expensive gifts. Some of them are great gifts. This being the greatest of all. But you know as long as it remains under the tree, it's just a gift. And it means nothing. It can do nothing. Until you go and receive that gift and unwrap it and put it to use. That's salvation in a nutshell. Jesus came to be our sacrificial gift. To redeem us, to save us, to be our everlasting king. But unless we receive it through faith and open it up, it's worthless. As priceless as it may be. May you bow your heads this morning. The thing I love about this gift that God gave, he gave it to everyone. He made it available to all. Our Bible says, whosoever will. For God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But you know, this is probably the most expensive gift. It's a gift of a life. But for so many, it's still sitting under the tree. They refuse to open it. Some don't know what it is. Many do. I want you to ask yourself today. The power of Holy Spirit speaking in your heart. Is the gift still in the box and under the tree? Or have you opened it up and received your Savior, your Redeemer, and your everlasting King? Only one who knows that's between you and God. Father God, I thank you for your love, Lord. I just pray right now that your Holy Spirit has freedom to move, Father. Father, that you would speak to hearts and to minds here today, right now. And Father, if there's anyone here today, Lord, that has never received their gift, may this Christmas be the Christmas that they open it. Because Father, just as we heard of the young lady passing, Lord, this morning, we might not have another Christmas. Father, would you speak to hearts now? Father, for those who know they've received the gift, Father, may they thank you. May they praise you this morning within their hearts. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to ask you this morning. If you know for sure that your gift has been opened, that you have received the gift of life and a redeemer and a savior, and you just want to praise the Lord this morning, would you just slip up your hand saying, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Any others? Is there someone here maybe this morning that's willing to say, I've heard about the presence all my life. 
I've seen it under the tree. But it's still under the tree. Would you be bold enough to say this morning, I'm willing to receive that gift and open it up of a Savior that can give me hope and love and joy and peace unconditionally. Would you just slip up your hand this morning if if you're just willing to say that? Is there someone here this morning? Father God, how grateful we are for your love. Lord God, I thank you for all that you are. Father, thank you for the gift of a Savior. Thank you for the gift of a Redeemer. Father, thank you for the gift of an everlasting King. And Father, may this be the greatest Christmas ever. That we celebrate the birth of your Christ Jesus. Amen.